If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Kato Kaylin. I love him. Oh, Kato behind the velvet rope. Is there a cover charge? It's a club, right? Isn't that a club theme behind the velvet rope? Well, you know I, what? I, <laughs> it's chatting with people like you that oh, I, this really feels like behind the velvet rope. Well, I mean... I, it feels like we're taking the SAT. This, this is a classroom setting. It's like, I want to cheat off your paper. Isn't this like a school desk? And Isn't this is so it? formal? I, I love it. Listen, I love how like we ran into each other outside. We, you were walking into the building. You're reminiscing about this used to be like the National Lampoon's. This was to... National Lampoon headquarters right here, National Lampoon. And I did comedy development. I also shot a show here. It was the College Network show. And it went on a loop. It went to every university. So I was trying to get that young crowd. And I used to do the uh, comedy raps. And it was just so much fun in the Lampoon days. And then I became friends, very dear friends. He just passed away was uh, Mar Maddie Simmons. Maddie mm -hmm. did Animal House and uh, the vacation films. So Maddie was my dear friend and um, and he even had a podcast. So uh, yeah, the seeing you and then going, I, I said, David, I think that's the building that we're going to be doing our podcast. And I go, this is such a good energy. I mean, I guess you remember a lot about your early days in, in yeah. Hollywood. You really yes. do. Yes, I still think I'm in my early days. I, <laughs> I don't remember anything from my early days. So <laughs> you don't remember yesterday, I heard. I, I that Super Bowl party just threw you off. I don't remember yesterday. That is correct. Not even in a, a drunken way. I just, I it all blends together for me, yeah. Kato. It really does. I, uh, I've got a uh, phenomenal memory. I'll tell you why. It's because I meet so many people. I was uh, touring on a show. Uh, it was Comic-Con. So it was called Wizard World. It was the world's largest Comic-Con. And I would meet literally in every city I would, obviously we had people of 50,000 in the weekends, but I'd meet about 900 personally signing and uh, people would go, I can't believe you remember all the names. I'm about 95%. Wow. And then I come back next year. I come to that city again there. I remember them because I kind of say their name and I would say, uh, like you, Mark, I would, I'm David, like, I, like you, I would say <laughs> their name and it just sticks with me and they go, you got a great memory. So I always try wow. to remember everything. Well, that's that's impressive. When yeah. you think of look, I think everyone is. I'm not. I'm really not like a holistic person, but I do believe in like divine intervention. That look, we're all where we're supposed to be mm -hmm. at that time, right? Oh, so, oh, like yeah. when you think of these early days in Hollywood of your career, like do you divide your life the way most people do? Do you think like pre OJ and post OJ? Um, yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. It's sort of like a. I think people don't realize that I had a life before OJ. Exactly. I had a complete life before OJ. I, uh, you know, I had my, I, I judge it by my Screen Actors Guild card. That's the, uh, every actor is dying to get a Screen Actors Guild card. And I've had mine, uh, on over 40 years, way before OJ. And I, I did, you know, quite a few commercials and, 
I had a, but I was no, I was Cato Kalen, but no one knew Cato Kalen until the OJ show. But the, I, I've said this on shows and you probably know it too, is um, I, I, my buddy, his name's Aaron Meyerson. Aaron, huge producer uh, in the business, so at, who was at New Line Cinema, ran CBS. He did, just became a dear friend of mine way back in the uh, 1990s on where um, he would, um, uh, we played basketball and just hung out. So he gave me a script. It's a great story too. Gave me a script. He goes, read this. He goes, you've got to read this film, this script. It's so funny. You've got to be in it. And I'm in, you know, I'm producing it. And I said, oh, this would be fantastic. You read for the casting director of Montgomery. So I'm reading this film. I'm going, this is hysterical. I bring in a casting and uh, read one part, read another part, reading all these parts. And it goes that I get the call back. I go to another part and it's uh no one knows what this film is, but it's going to be a big hit. So I'm reading this part of this guy named Harry Dunn. And uh, then I'm reading these uh, other, other roles in this film. And it's Dumb and Dumber. So Dumb and Dumber, I read the week before the actual murders happened. And then my life kind of uh, stopped in the trial. And then uh, that, there was nothing for me because I was sort of, you know, when they say you're hot, hot, like you're a potato, you're hot, they have to drop you. So it was, uh, but I was getting really good readings. I was getting all these incredible auditions and everything just kind of stopped. What role did you read for in Dumber Dumber? I, I read like three different roles, but Harry Dunn was one of them. You know, wow. Jeff Daniels had the hair. So I had the long hair. So it's just, it was fun. And obviously Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey are phenomenal and in no way I was going to get it. But getting to that level and the Farrelly brothers, you know, directed at Later on, like years later, I was at the Super Bowl in Houston, met them at a dinner, all sat at the table, had a great time. Then I got invited to Bill Murray's uh, golf event I've been doing for years, and they're always there. And I just, uh, they're so kind to me, and they, they love that story, and they, you know, they say these great things. I'm, they're saying, you should be a big star, and I'm saying, you guys are big producers and directors, you should make me a star. Right, they're right there. Exactly. They, I mean, it's can't like, they write yeah, you up? Yeah, write something, anything. But, uh. You know, you well, could have been opposite Jim Carrey. Yeah, I well, I, I doubt that. Uh, J Jeff Daniels is phenomenal, but just even a little bit in that film would have been just, uh, just phenomenal for me. Well, right, that wasn't your destiny. When yeah. did you, you know, listen? Like this is how I think of it. Like I think of like if I'm sitting at home and I hear like all these sirens speeding by, you know, you're you hear sirens. I mean, and then the next thing you know, they're knocking and you're like, when? Like, do you remember? Like, because I mean, listen, there's been so much written about this, but here yeah. you are. Yeah, like. When did you realize, like, wait, that these people are here on this property? Like, what's, you know, like, that it was you, really a big deal? Oh, with the, uh, the detectives, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, well. Like, just that moment. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it's, you mentioned about. Yes, uh, I'm divine, going back to OJ for Divine intervention, how you mentioned that. And I, 100%, in, you know, hindsight, you kind of look at things. It's like, everybody's got their blueprint of life it's probably you don't know that it's predetermined you already know someone you know your death date everything everybody knows it so that was my blueprint it's like it's you're not good you're going to be famous but for the wrong re you're not going to be famous for that you're going to be famous because of this trial i mean that was the blueprint i don't know what's going to happen so when they're at my door four detectives i had no idea because the entire night was this it's called june gloom in la it's a fog and I was foggy that night because I was talking to this girl and I was single. She was single and I said, come over here. And she goes, come over here. I go, no, you're coming to my place. And we're, we're going back and forth. Uh, this is when everybody had phone machines and call waiting the call coming in. It was so different back then. So I, we finally, I, I said to her, I go, I think we just had an earthquake. 
And I go, did you feel that? She goes, no. I said, oh, my picture just moved. So um, my room has no windows, but it has a wall. There's a picture. The picture moved. So I thought uh, it had to be an earthquake. And later on, we find out what we think it might be where so when the detectives came in, they said, uh, who are you? And I told them, they said, what did you wear last night? So the whole time I'm thinking that there was a plane crash, that O.J. Simpson was in a plane crash and they're just checking out. But when you're at 5 a.m. or so and you're, you don't, nothing makes sense. It still feels like a dream state. So I'm answering all the questions. They're looking at the bottom of my shoes and I'm going, give me a plane crash. Why are they doing this? But I don't know. I just going along with them, whatever they wanted me, I was answering their questions. And they asked, said, who lives here? I said, uh, uh, there's another bungalow. It's a pretty big bungalow I had. And it was his daughter, Arnell. And then uh, there, someone's questioning her. And that was it. And they thought this guy was, uh, I, I think at that time, they're just going, who's this Cato guy? And my car is parked on the street. And uh, a few people have told the story too. It's a, uh, I had a casting business with a great actor from General Hospital named Grant Kramer. Grant and I had a business. So I'd be on the set a lot and I had to, I had to drive to destinations, but I kept a mannequin head in my car. And they seen this mannequin and why does this guy have a head in his car? And that was my carpool lane that I would prop up in a coat. And I used to just drive in the carpool lane because I found that out later from uh, Tom Lang, the de lead detective. He's like, I have to ask you afterward. He goes, why do you have that mannequin head in your car? All of us were wondering, what's this mannequin head? I said, well, don't arrest me, but <laughs> I was in the carpool lane many times to uh, drive to my location. It's actually a really good idea. It's a great idea. I'm still going to do it. This is like something that everybody should do. Do you still have that mannequin head? I do. I do have that mannequin head. I still have the house guest key. I still have many things to a house guest that the house is knocked down, but I have that key. So when did you, how, when did you realize, you know what I mean? They're questioning you, right? Cause like, that's yeah. the thing, like, you know, it's not your reality until it is right. So yeah. of course you're not going to say no to detectives, but yeah. when does it set in? Like, this is serious. Well, it was pretty serious when he brought us into the other home and I heard, um, uh, I, we still didn't know what was going on. They didn't tell us anything. They're just asking us questions about our night. What did we, everything we did in the night. So we still don't know what's up until I, I heard that, uh, uh, Tom Lang, the detective, um, they don't like making phone calls to the parents. And I heard him on the phone talking to Nicole uh, Simpson's parents, Nicole Brown Simpson, to um, and saying that uh, your daughter's been killed. And then I knew. So uh, they thought it was, you know, I, I think they said killed, not murdered. But we knew at that time it was already serious. Then it went into that wow, this is really serious. And then they, uh, after the questioning, they uh, led me out the front door. And uh, the, the creepy, creepy moment was when the detectives were walking me out the door and they said, watch out for those blood stains. And I looked down on the floor and there were droplets of blood. And I was like, oh my God, this is really intense. And, they, and then I was at the police station for many, many hours, just in a, a room a little bit uh, smaller than this where we're doing our podcast the wait is over that's right a season five of the kardashians is here just when you thought life couldn't get any faster they're punching it into overdrive chris courtney kim chloe kendall and kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors so get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television the all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. This summer, the world must answer one question. 
Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. February is the month of love. And you know what? I love taking care of my skin. You know, the problem is most skincare routines only deliver superficial results. And that's why I only use one skin. One Skin's proprietary OS1 peptide is the first ingredient scientifically proven to reverse the skin's biological age by up to 50%. Now, there's all sorts of science behind how that works. They have R&D people. But I really, personally, they reverse the skin's biological age. So that's all I need to hear. I've noticed younger-looking skin. I've noticed fewer lines and fewer wrinkles. Hello? So listen, One Skin is more than skincare. It's about skin longevity, targeting the root causes of aging to help you look and feel your best at every age. Get started today with 15% off using code VELVET at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code VELVET. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. It's time to expect more from your skincare routine. Invest in the health of your skin with One Skin. I just moved into a new apartment in New York City. And every time I move, I love, it's so cathartic. I clean out my closets and get rid of so much stuff that's out of style. But all the stuff I got from Quince, those were all keepers. The reason is because Quince creates timeless, elegant fashions that last for way more than one season. This stuff never goes out of style. I just got the coolest 100% leather black biker motorcycle jacket from Quince. 100% leather for $199. That's crazy. All of Quince's items are 50 to 80% less than similar brands because they cut out the middleman and they pass the savings right on to us. They have Mongolian cashmere sweaters from $59, so much other stuff. So upgrade your closet with Quince. Go to quince.com slash velvet rope for free shipping and 365 day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash velvet rope to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash velvet rope. So, like, did you know right away, like, okay, you know, because, look, you're living your life. Like you said, you had a whole life in L.A. before this. Yeah, and I'm a joke. I was a joke. I just this very guy who's gregarious and I love people, fun. And and then all of a sudden, I'm always about the light, like fun light. And then this, the dark cloud. It was just dark. Like, okay, this is uh, this is real. Let's see what's going to happen. It's real. And then when does it set in, like, you know, 
I can't just go on with my life tomorrow. Like I am actually a big part of this, right? Because you yeah. know, you figure I'm helping I, out, right? You want to Well, help. I didn't I didn't know. I, I would never ever in my life have been in a courtroom. I didn't have a parking ticket. I didn't know what it was going to lead to. I didn't I wasn't thinking about a trial. I wasn't thinking about anything. I thought after the questioning, okay, this guy's okay. This is going. Then I went back to the house where I lived. And then I just saw it was just a circus, a media circus, and I was uh you know, O.J. Simpson coming up to me because he wasn't in jail and he's back from his trip. And uh, question, he had questioned at the police. Uh, you know, they took him down, detectives, for lots of questioning. And he has said to me, uh, well, Cato, you know, you and I were together in the kitchen. And that just dropped everything because I said, no, we weren't. And then I felt I got to get out of the house. I got to get out because he's trying to say that I'm going to be his alibi. I, I just felt it. So... I got out of the house almost immediately, like in that day, found a place to go, uh, some buddies of mine. And then, you, that was it, like that yeah, question, which I, we I all Probably a day heard. or two, probably I, getting packed, having a buddy of mine come by and, uh, you know, help me. You know, there were helicopters all over when I was doing my move. And uh, there was it was very aware that people were going, oh, he's this Cato, this person, they didn't, they didn't even know who I was yet, is moving. And then He's, that's that question plus the helicopters, big star, it, like it's yeah, just clicked. Yeah, it was uh, still everybody trying to identify who I was. My identity came when I did the preliminary hearing. And that's when I walked in the prelims of the, the first uh, testament before the trial to do a preliminary. When I walked out, everybody was shouting, Cato this way, Cato this way, the cameras flashing. And then it was like the power of media. It was worldwide, worldwide. It just changed I couldn't go out. It just in that one, one day, actually like one minute of walking back out the door. It was everywhere. So what was that like? You know, cause listen, I've talked to a lot of people. Well, like I think, we, I mean, what was that like? I guess just from a day to day basis too. You know, it's sort of, you could say, it's like, be careful what you wish for sort of thing. You can say many things. It's like, uh, I, I came from Wisconsin, Milwaukee, large family. And my whole goal was to become an actor, to become famous. Well, I got half the wish. I got the famous part. And the famous part happened backward. I'm totally aware of it. You know, I, my own byline I wrote is, uh, never has a man done so little to be recognized by so many. So I'm in on my own joke. I get it. There's nothing I could have done about it. It just happened, and I was the guy that was picked. It happened. So I said, uh, I, I've got a really good base of friends. I've got the same friends from high school and college still to this day that make you humble and, you know, you don't get too big or anything like that because I was going everywhere. I, I had, you know, presidential dinner with the, the back then with Clinton. Uh, Larry King, you know, takes me as his guest. And I was meeting at that time. It was the big people in the 90s were Larry King, Barbara Walters, Diane Sawyer, Oprah. I was doing all these these events and going everywhere. So uh, I when I had the when the hate started coming, I wasn't used to that. Because in like I was a, I did all the sports in high school. I was the prom king, blah blah blah. That'll this is a joke. Where I'm supposed to say I was homeschooled, but I won't use that joke. Um, you were so, popular. We get it. We, we, so I did all these things, and then when I felt hate, I was destroyed inside. I became this extrovert, became an introvert. I mean, people wanted to beat, just fight. People would spit. I was at a concert. I was invited to this David Bowie concert, the late David Bowie. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm standing up and then these people behind me put their suckers and lollipops in my hair. I mean, stuck them in there and ran away. I mean, I had three in my head because I had the longer hair. Are you kidding me? 
And uh, I, I had a car, that, the, the convertible car at that time, and someone came right up and just did a big spit in my face. So I, I was going, this is really strange, because people had, it was in L.A., I, probably everybody but in L.A., it was really heated because people pick sides. And I, I'm from Switzerland. I'm neutral. I be, I, you know, the whole thing was I was 100% honest and that was it. But people already had their mind made up of what their, who their, what team they're choosing. Much like social media and reality TV today, yeah. you get people that are famous overnight for, yeah. you know, being yeah. on a show for a minute and they have love and they have hate. It's the same thing. Oh, and completely. They have fame. Yeah. Uh, Larry King was the, labeled me as the first reality star ever. And to some people, I was a soap opera character. But to me, I was the real, I was, it was me, real. I wasn't some character that it was written in, in a, you know, like a, a trial show. Well, that's the thing. I mean, this is like, you know, 1995. So like the real, and there was no survivor. There was no real housewives. Like it really yeah. was real world. Yeah. And a little bit the challenge was starting. There was no, this really was to me the first reality well, TV. And also it started, uh, it started the network court TV. It started MSNBC, the court shows, started six different shows on CNN from burden of proof to all these, every lawyer was getting a TV show. And the shows lasted at least two years because every time there's a trial, um, they would, there's, everybody goes back to OJ at any trial. I still get calls on every trial from the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. I always said, tell people it's 21 Dump Street. I do that. Now Alec Baldwin trial's coming up and already I'm starting to get, it's for an opinion. And it's like, no, I, I'm not an expert. I was a witness in a trial, but sometimes people always want my, an input of really? what I think of what's going, what, what is my opinion of this trial? And, you know, when Amber Heard and Johnny Depp were on TV, the, the televised trial, you know, I watched it and uh, bits of it. Um, and, you know, it's very powerful how people pick sides. And it's it's not, it's just not, no one sees the real person inside. It's all from testimony. It's all like, I, I think Johnny Depp was genius in what he did because he was, he just let it kind of go. He didn't say anything really evil. He just did his thing while she was, releasing videos of of hidden videos of him and whatever so i think people were like this is a bad person that in their opinion i thought people were thinking that interesting and so people want your opinion because i didn't even think of that just because yeah. like what you're like the expert witness like the go-to yeah. expert witness wow yeah and it was a uh, it did the uh fx series ryan murphy did um you know american crime story and i was surprised that i, I didn't get a call from the actor that played me his name is billy magnuson who's great pick and great actor who's in the last Bond film, you know, No Time to Die is a, one of the lead characters. But um, I met a friend of his that I did a uh, interview for the magazine. He was a dear friend of his that said, can I interview before the show comes out? So I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love it. I'd love for Billy to know. I, If I was an actor to think, no matter what, I would not I would no matter what I want to find, talk to the person that I'm playing, even if you don't want to use anything. He didn't, but then I saw him do an interview and the guy could not be more gracious of all the kind things from other people. He goes, I didn't want to meet him. I just heard this Cato's charismatic and, and everybody likes him. So I had my choice at, and I think he did his, his Spicoli from Fast Times as Cato. But when I saw his interview, I said, I love this guy. I love Billy Magnuson. Have you talked to him since? No, I was on Twitter. Twitter, some tweets back then. And, uh, you know, the New York Daily News asked me to write a, um, 
uh, on the first screener they gave me, said, would you write an article on this thing before it comes out? Because they think it's going to be huge ratings for the TV show. It's going to do great. And it won eight Emmys. And it was number one the, uh, when it came out. Every episode was the number one leadoff show. So I wrote the article. And it was such a uh, it was such a great cathartic experience for me to do it. They loved it, and they asked me to write all ten episodes. So I got a job as a writer for the New York Daily News, and I thought, "Wow, uh, you know, by episode three, I was watching some of the shows, going, hmm, it's too much Cato for Cato. I don't remember that scene. So some of it's embellished what they want to make it into a big bigger show than what it really is. But that was such a great creative experience for me to write." be really acerbic about writing something with these, these shows. February is the month of love. And ladies, is there anything you love more than a comfortable bra? I would think not. And that's why I need to tell you about Honeylove, because they have revolutionized the bra game. I got my good friend Jill from college a Honey Love bra for Valentine's Day. Who knew in college that I would be so obsessed with her breasts? But here we are many years later. With Honey Love, you could say goodbye to underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love's bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. Their best-selling crossover bra, that's the one I got Jill, is so comfortable that it will be your new go-to. For a more relaxed lounge bra, I highly recommend their V-bra. It's designed to lift and separate with molded cups. And it's not a shelf-like bra that creates that awful uni-boob effect. I hate that. Treat yourself to the best bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash velvet. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash velvet. After you purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Treat yourself to Honeylove because you deserve it. Has anyone else had major drama in hiring for their business out there? How great does it feel to finally find the right qualified candidate and close out a job search? But what if I told you you get rid of the job search and just match? You can with Indeed. Indeed is a great matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. I was able to hire the last ad sales rep that I hired within such a short period of time. Before Indeed, this would have taken me days and weeks, sometimes even months. Do you know that in the minute I've basically just been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide? 23 hires. Right now, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash velvet. Just go to Indeed.com slash velvet right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash velvet. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you like it as much as the rest of the world? I, I like parts of it. Yeah, definitely. I, it's very, I mean, let's face it. It's about entertainment and they did entertainment. And the genius move is they put the Kardashian girls in a lot of the shows that they were never even part of because they, at that time and still to this, to this day, were number one on tw Twitter, the Instagrams, everything. It was like genius move by them to put that because the social media for that show went ballistic. Right. Like the fact that they put the characters yeah. of the Kardashians, right. Does that ever shock you that, you know, the lawyer in the OJ case is, you know, the father right. of, you know, the most Isn't famous that... reality TV. Really? I think when the, I, I say this all the time, other than the Royal family, I think the Kardashians are the most famous family that's ever existed. Oh, I agree. Oh, 100%. Every one of them is, it's like, billionaires. you know, it's going to billionaires, you know, it's just going to, 
when their kids even get older now, when Kim's kids are there, you can just see this will be a continuation of this a royal family type the Kardashians is going to go on and on and on. It'll be a billion to a trillion dollar industry for them. And it is amazing because I, I tell stories when I was Sydney uh, was the daughter of OJ and Nicole and Justin, the kids. So it's 28 years ago. I, they, I, had the, I slept in the room of uh, the guest house of Nicole on Gretna Green, not Bundy before she had Gretna Green. And then I moved into the Rockingham house. So they, they went to school They'd all meet at the house, and they and by that time they knew Cato was a funny. Let's, hey, let's wake up Cato. And I was working on movie sets uh, till Who's four that? or five a.m. Kardashian kids, Sydney and Justin, and then the Kardashians. They all meet because they drove everybody together. And sometimes they'd be jumping on my bed, wake up Cato, wake up Cato. So it was it was sort of funny that Who, three like of the Kardashian Courtney, girls, like all Kim, of them, really? yeah, Courtney, uh, Chloe, they Kim. were. They were jumping on your bed. They jumped on the bed. Uh, it was led by Sydney. Was son, the daughter was uh, just a hilarious person, funny, and she'd be the the leader of the group. Like uh, not not tr- much trouble, but all about fun. Like, mm. and then you know, it's endearing that they got a dog, the Akita, and I, I think it was out of liking Kato so much. Me, they named it Kato. So the Kardashians, yeah. Named their dog you know, after every time it. I'd hear Kato quit drinking out of the toilet, I'd go, "Wait a minute, who knew?" Who knew? No, the other Kato. Do you have like any other memories of those three? Just because I mean, they're such. They're, I mean, and are you shocked? Because I mean, they are larger than. Well, life. you it's know, crazy. we did. I got sometimes went to the cookouts at their house when Robert and Chris Jenner were together. You know, they had they would have the volleyball set up. Uh, you know, it's fun. They're seeing the parents like Chris with her kids. You could see, loving, but you could see that this was kind of grooming that they were going to be stars. It was all the beautiful family, really about love. Same with Nicole with her kids and very protective. And I thought the, the, the best part was I was never the uh, babysitter, never the pool boy. I had my own life and job, but I was labeled that by the media. But you know what? If they ever needed me to watch them and they trusted me and they would feel comfortable, I think, that made me feel really good that they would c- trust me with their kids if they wanted to go out. If I was free to do that, I go, of course, I'd love to. And they'd laugh at all my jokes. I mean, what what else could I have, David? Come on. There's this nothing. is like, come on, what a great audience I have. That is, there's nothing wrong with laughing at your jokes. Wait, and you could tell when they were young what, like, Chris, lovely, but what? She was just grooming them for... Well, I'm not grooming. I, I mean, just, uh, I think everything, everything was... Uh, just really polished. I, 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 I'm not saying in a negative way. Uh, yeah. Like my parents, when I was growing up, we were, you know, we were getting dirty, rolling in the mud, and doing that kind of stuff that you do in uh, Wisconsin. But I, it was all very, I guess, elegant. Everything seemed right. elegant, and they're beautiful. Listen, they're doing something right, right? Yeah. One more question before we move on about the Kardashians. Is this true? I don't know where I read this, that you ran into Chris. And do you ever run into the other girls? You ran into Chris at, I think, Alan Thicke's funeral. Yeah. And I, uh, how I, was that? That was the last That was the f- last time I saw her. And I haven't seen her you know, at all throughout this thing. And I, I was thinking, um, I was friends with uh, the uh, Bill Maher. And Bill was uh, one of the speakers at the and at the uh, funeral. And um, But Alan Thicke said he wanted it to be a joyous time. So it was all comedians and a lot of people doing comedy and, uh, you know, jokes, really like a roast almost of Alan. And I didn't know how Chris's feelings, if she hated me, I didn't, you don't know. And she just hugged me and said, so great to see you. And 
I said, God, it's wonderful to see you. I said, you make me feel really fantastic. That thanks for the hug. And uh, she was friends with Alan's uh, wife, a widow. Wow. Uh, and so that was, it was a pretty incredible experience from, uh, you know, Alex, Alec Trebek did a speech and, you know, he's the passed away now too. A Leo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio did a speech. It was just, wow. It was up at the ranch up in Santa Barbara. Wow. So, yeah, and was, you were nervous, maybe like I don't I, know how this is going to go with Chris. Well, I, I didn't know. I, I mean, it was a funeral. There was, also, it was a funeral too, and yeah. um, you don't. But it, and there was no reason I didn't think they hate me. I didn't know if you know. So I did some comedy bits. You know, I've done some opening, and I do a bunch of Kardashian jokes. I'm going, oh boy, I wonder if she's heard some of these jokes I said. And uh, but there's nothing like that. And then I seen Courtney at a uh, at a club one time. They're they're all very 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 sweet to me. That's good. And what was the hate? Like when you said people were sticking lollipops in your head, it just that, truly was they had a side. Either OJ was guilty or not I think, guilty in I their think own it's, minds. Well, a lot of it, David, was that there were so many different tabloid TV shows. So if the tabloid uh, picked on me uh, in a positive way or a negative way, they look at in Hollywood, the toughest part was there's jealousy. And the jealousy was now I was a guy that could be on the red carpet and was known. I felt for those people because I was like, don't, I'm not that guy that you guys think I am. I'm really, I'm just not that person. I did red carpets before, but no one knew who I was. I've done tons of red carpet events or, and been invited to a Maxim party before. So when I'd be at the party, they're thinking he's invited because he's in a, uh, a murder trial, the OG Simpson trial. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's partly true, but partly true. It's like, I have my own personality and I, I got by before that and uh, I did well before that. So, And then, you know, look, you're on, you're a part of this trial, right? Yeah. And it's like, were you shocked at, you know, because look, there was a lot of side characters like Johnny Cochran. I mean, I call them characters, but you're all human characters, beings. See, you're but, a soap opera to you too, huh? Well, listen, well, I ought to tell you, pal. Well, no, you know what it is? <laughs> like here I am telling you that I can't remember anything, but look, I know where I was when in 9-11. I was in New York. I saw the buildings fall. So wow. I, and I know where I was the summer of the white Bronco chase. Yeah. Now I can't really picture where I was with a bunch of other murders that are popular, yeah. just maybe because it's my age and yeah. the timing. So- I mean, so there were a lot of, but you, there's something about you and Marsha Clark in particular. You guys, you know, they talked about your hair, your tan, your looks, or her, what she was wearing. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a murder trial. Like, were you shocked at the level that you kind of were thrust into it? Because it wasn't yeah. really about you, right? Yeah, there's nothing, it was never, it was about two young people murdered that were beautiful. And I didn't know Ron Goldman, but uh, through the years I've met, you know, with Fred and, um, Kim Goldman. And so through them, I know how great Ron was. So yeah, people lost focus of that completely. Everybody's lost focus of that because it became an entertainment and it was all about entertainment. It was black and white. It was a uh, very Shakespearean and uh, it was the downfall of a celebrity. It had every element. It was like, it was a Hollywood script and that's why they did a TV show. And so many uh, different things were written about this. So I think um, it, it's, Ratings is what mattered. It was what ratings, what show from hard copies to current affairs. They had to get the next story that was going to give, you know, because the, you you base everything on advertisers of how you can get advertisers for yeah. your next to make the uh, your show keep going on. But yes, people lost the perspective of what it was really about. And I don't mean any shade by that. I just meant like, yeah. were you shocked that it was? Oh, Because yeah. there's been so many 
murders. I mean, I don't know what yeah. else to, how else to phrase it, but there's something about, you know, if you Google- That sounds like an ad for liquid death. Right, I mean, listen, I mean, take a look. There's so many murders and let's have a liquid death. Have, have your liquid death. It's like every time I have- The taste will murder you. The Celsius is really good. Um, no, but I mean like, if you Google like most famous murders or whatever, you know, it's OJ's, yeah. like everyone knows. So it's like, were you just shocked at the magnitude or was it because it was the first, it was before reality? Yeah. And it was so It's huge. It's because of, first of all, like you said, there's characters from Judge Ito and everything. Then Jay Leno did the dancing Ito's and it continued in the monologues of Leno and Letterman. And it just was on Comedy Central. It just continued. It was just titillating people were watching it everybody knew they were watching it i mean statistics and this is not even being big-headed but i would get things of uh at that time i, I was uh more popular than al gore more people recognize me the most it says that on your wikipedia page by yeah. the way i don't know who wrote that but uh it's true during my testimony beating the super bowl more pizzas were ordered than in the history of pizza ordering so it's like, mm, I should get an endorsement or something. But these are real facts that came out. And then uh, in every magazine, they compared my hair with Jennifer Aniston from Friends. And they had Brad Pitt. So it was all these things of, of who's the best hair. And it'd be like uh, just uh, a cross between Cato and Fabio. And I only hang out with people that end in O. It's Cato, Fabio, and Harpo, and Zeppo, and Gracho. <laughs> so wow. it was it was sort of like in on the joke. But it was not, none of my doing. It would just be... Hey, have you seen this? Because, uh, you know, I, I, at that time, I think I was a uh, public uh, image of, you know, free to the public. They could make fun of me. And so, like, what was that like? Because, like, you you had this whole career in Hollywood trying to, you know, make it. And you were Always, making it. You were, yeah, just, but here you, you are. Know. And people try their whole careers and they're not famous, so to speak. Not yeah. that that's the end all be all. But, like, was that you know, you're telling me you're hanging out with Oprah and, you know, Larry. We do the shows. Yeah. Well, yeah. I did hang out with, or, with uh, uh, Larry a lot and, you know, I became dear friends with Bill Maher. And I mean, I, it had that, you know, uh, Charlie Sheen became a great friend. So I had great friends, but they're, and also still to this day. So, you know, you have Hollywood I, stories people would yeah, go for. Yeah. There's just, and there's so many great times and so many great people. And I think if I didn't have something, there's gotta be substance because otherwise people just kick you to the side. And, uh, you know, I I was portrayed I think portrayed as a, a, a the dummy, a freeloader, a pariah, and uh, you know an assassin's target, but I knew all these things of who I was, and uh, I, you know I'm here to stay, and it's it's really I, I'm I, every day I'm doing something, and you know from doing a comedy bit this last weekend and and doing uh, my podcast. By the way, you subscribe to it. One degree of scandalous. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, I've listened it's to perfect. it. It's great. Yeah, it's and, and with Tom Zetter, he's fantastic. But constantly, you know, I became so a, a name that I like to use. It became friend. We exchanged stories and numbers. Is Harvey Levin? Harvey Levin of TMZ. So um, every so just a few weeks ago, they did a huge story of my new wife and I stealing oranges when we weren't, but the story was TMZ put down Cato stealing oranges, OJ. You know, they're trying to make the reference when in reality, the, the makes it look like I'm stealing these oranges, but the guy, I walk in my neighborhood and the guy says, oh yeah, take what you want, but you don't know that part of the story. So he wanted me funny. to do a show. It is funny. It's like, okay, I would tell Harvey, I go, Harvey, please. I, I was looking for grapefruit, no more OJ. And, and I just, you know, up a little show that I wrote. We'll see if it gets on. And I just shot a pilot. Uh, David, you'll love this one. And I really think it's going to go. It's called Teen Court. We shot three episodes with John Gray, 
if you don't know who John Gray is, he's this huge influencer. Uh, the He was the, the pastor for Obama's and Oprah, and he's the judge. But it's all the teens suing their parents over gender or mommy, I want my own butt lift. It's all because of social media and the parents are saying no way. And then there's a name image like likeness cases where the athlete 16 endorsed for a lot of money, but the mother wants the money. So we're doing everything. It's very topical and it's done brilliantly. And the people in it are really, really, the, the parents and the kids are really at it where it's real and it's, when I did the show, I thought, oh yeah, it's a good idea. But when I did the show, you know, you kind of, watch it you shoot the show and you go this is really compelling it's the most different type of court show and yeah. uh it, it, we'll see what happens but it's teen court and i think it's just gonna rock and roll i mean that sounds listen there's been judge judy like jerry well, springer judge, yeah. like there's a lot of it's a yeah, successful well, format networks are looking for a little bit of a different one now that's and uh that's, we that's have, what i mean because you know, like we have a huge, uh, you know i like the teen angle this week we have the we'll see what goes on we have a huge uh, pitch with the network and they love it wow <laughs> no, I mean, I'm picturing it. You know, there hasn't order been- Order in the podcast. Right, order, David, order a, in the podcast. I mean, what is going to be your role in this? Are you going to be like- the, Oh, I'm doing the- I, did, I shot it already, so- Oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, myself as I introduce the case, and they go to the judge of the case, and then we have a jury, we have the cell phones, and they pick who they, why, and who, and then I interview them, why. Judge makes a decision, then I talk to the plaintiff and defend the parents at the okay. end of the show, and I lead into the next one. But I mean, uh, you're getting it's, called it's, for it's, the Amber Heard, Johnny. I mean, this is, yeah. this is I, I see so, this yeah, is yeah, on it's, brand it's, for you. It's, uh, yeah, it's a court's of brand. <laughs> Crime does pay, you know. It's sort of like, but yeah, it's real cases. And um, it, the, the world now is just so divided, even with the parents and social media. And social media, you know, with TikTok, it is, my personal opinion is, it's really dividing us. And it's like, uh, you know, kids know they can make a lot more money than the parents can even make with uh, social influencers. And, you know, and who knows, is TikTok Can you imagine if Chinese we were young right now? Like, I mean, we're, we're young, it, but I mean, if we were like 22 right now, it, I'm like, huh. Yeah, if I had social media during my time and that, which I'm, I'm sort of glad I didn't, but I, once again, the blueprint of life, it's like, you're not going to have social media because I would have been uh, pretty wealthy, I think, of getting on in social media. I so, think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Were you shocked, like, being a part of that when the verdict came down, you know, that OJ was not guilty? Like, not really yeah. what you thought, because we can go over that in a second, but, like, yeah. were you shocked? Was he shocked? Were we all shocked? I mean, let's not forget this time in the world. You know, there are people that I interview where I'm like, okay, we're going to do a show and everyone's going to love this. And then there are other people I interview where I'm like, this is just so fucking iconic. And that's how I feel about Cato. I am a huge fan. We get into it all. We talk so much more about the Ryan Murphy OJ show, Marsha Clark. We talk about lots of other stuff. I mean, Cato was on Big Brother. Of course, we talk reality TV and Housewives. I mean, he lives in LA. We talk Beverly Hills Housewives. We are about to get into, but we have so much more to say about OJ. So stay tuned for part two of our chat. It's coming tomorrow, guys, with the one, the only iconic Kato Kalen. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. 
And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.